0: coming up on eagle eyes on tech project scarlet the xbox that's impossible navi gpus are revealed and all the announcements that came out at e3 all that and more coming up Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, so I'm gonna ready this you guys on tech, I am Eagle Falcon. The podcast listeners, they will never know just how hurry up last minute this was, just because the enormous, underline enormous stack of info that could have been in this podcast had to get cut down and not for time constraints, mind you. No 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 no. It had to get cut down just because a good chunk of it just wasn't good enough. Like, on a slower news week, some of them might have been worthwhile. And then other of thems, the only source willing to talk about them, were sources I have deemed literally and utterly worthless. Also, this E3, there is... Maybe... I'm not sure if it's just this year that's abnormal, or if I've just been, like, blind to the amount of hardware news that comes out. but holy cow. We have G-Sync monitors that were introduced by Samsung during E3. AMD revealed their latest and greatest CPUs and GPUs. We finally got those specs. And then, of course, literally all the games. Oh, look at... At freaking the Final Fantasy VII remake, we have a release date on that now. And the return of the of the Mana series, Square showed that they actually care about that. But you know, we're we're kind of scrambling right now. Let's actually get into it. Probably the most interesting bit of news to come out of E3, Microsoft did give an official announcement about what they are calling. Project Scarlet, their next-generation Xbox console. They have confirmed this Xbox will run Ryzen 2 CPUs, with, of course, a Navi GPU along with it. It'll support 8K gaming it'll support 120 frames per second which by the way all of you console lovers out there who have been telling me that PC gaming is useless because the human eye can't see above 60 frames per second and 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 does that mean your xbox is working twice as hard than it needs to i'm sorry but of all the people to to go console gaming is better than PC gaming those are the ones that annoy me the most. Cuz those are the ones that never even touch on the biggest advantage that consoles have over PC gaming. And that's stability. That is literally the best argument you have. And like, nah. It's all about the costs and the and the and the frames and and the it's it's just better. You guys are just working too hard. It's just Not a valid argument. Like, factually. Project Scarlet is also confirmed to have a disk drive. It is confirmed to be SSD-based. But the big talk... 8K... 120 frames per second... And... Real-time ray tracing. So, between... Sony and now Microsoft both of them are saying we're going to run AMD's Navi GPUs and they will support these incredible specs they will support these incredible frame rates they will support the the highest resolutions the resolutions that we can't even accomplish yet and they'll support real time ray tracing wow I can't wait for Navi to come out Well, guess what? AMD Navi GPUs were also announced at E3. And guess what feature isn't there? Real-time ray tracing. So, is that just going to be on the next generation of Navi GPUs? Or or, um, did they just omit that on these cards? Are Sony and Microsoft just straight up lying? I mean, none of this is matching up. The details we're hearing and what the actual hardware is capable of do not match literally at all. In fact, on paper, these Navi GPUs are going to barely compete with their NVIDIA counterparts. Now, I'm actually getting a little ahead of myself, but let's actually talk about that. The Navi GPUs, they will be known as the Radeon RX 5700 and the RX 5700 XT. The 5700 will cost $379.00 the 5700 XT will cost $449. They are going to be going up against, I believe their target actually here is the RTX 2070, but I'm kind of not sure about that because on paper, it should barely beat the RTX 2070, which is priced at $499. And the 5700 is going to be a little slower than the, RTX 2070, but still faster than the 2060. But the 2060 is priced at $350, so... Where does that put the 5700? And the other thing is that as more and more developers are supporting real-time ray tracing, these cards don't have it. So from a point of view of trying to make the game look as beautiful as possible. Doesn't that mean that the Radeon cards are dead on arrival? Now, they're going to be great for those who only care about performance. If you if you don't care about real-time ray tracing, if you don't care about real-time accurate shadows and that sort of thing, you know, the Radeon cards are going to be fine for you. But I just have a hard time seeing NVIDIA look at these cards and go, ooh, we're scurred. We better drop the price of the RTX cards, which are already way higher than they were before. Well, compared to the previous generation, I should say. Now, maybe they'll actually perform better than they do on paper. It's always very difficult to look at the numbers on paper and say, this is how great the card's going to be. I admit that. It could be when the benchmarkers get a hold of these cards, these Na'vi GPUs are going to be performance monsters. could be we don't know i will tell you what are performance monsters though that's the ryzen 3000 processors and unjust man the chat makes a good point too the software can be optimized for different gpus which is also why it's hard to judge a gpu on paper it also helps a lot That AMD GPUs, they might not be as widespread in the PC space, but they are extremely widespread literally everywhere else. They're in every single console. Actually, wait, are they in the Switch? No. No, they're not. NVIDIA is in the Switch, but the Switch is its own little weird monster. But it's in the PlayStation. It's in in the Xbox. It's trying to be out on phones. It's in literally every single Mac. Somehow AMD managed to get an exclusivity contract with them. I mean, it's obvious. AMD, of course, also has their own API in Vulkan. So they've been trying to push for a while. for maximum optimization for their GPUs. And that's why I put the asterisk there. These don't seem that powerful on paper, but in real life testing, it could be night and day. It could; These could be monsters, but we don't know. The thing that annoys me, though, when it comes to the AMD GPUs, and here we are back on the AMD GPUs again, they didn't even try to make one flagship GPU. And even if no one goes for, say, the Titan market, or the 2080 Ti market, no one tries going for that that super high-end market that, like, only the top 1% or 2% of PC gamers are going to buy anyway. It still doesn't look good, because it just it just comes out as, yeah, sure, is being more intelligent and in targeting the majority of people who buy PC parts. It still comes off as, well, AMD couldn't even make a GPU to compete with the top dog, so, I mean, how good can these lower-end GPUs be? And that's not a mentality you want to have out there in the consumer base. I mean, let's be honest. You ask anyone who doesn't know all that much, would you rather buy an AMD GPU or an NVIDIA GPU? That person doesn't know all that better Will will just go, well, NVIDIA has the best GPU in the market, so their lower end parts that I can actually afford have to be good, right? And yeah, the and, and yeah, the AMD GPUs are going to be in the Xbox and the PS5. And they currently are in the Xbox One and the PS4. But no one thinks of those consoles as the cutting edge. Oh, uh, no no one looks at a console and says this is the best that gaming can get. When push comes to shove, consoles are all up, all about providing a I was about to say good enough, but it's more like a uh, an above average experience They're not considered to give the best of the best. They're there to give a stable and very playable experience while still looking pretty good. But people who buy PC parts aren't about pretty good. They're about the best. But anyway, speaking of the best, let's try and transition back to Zen 2. Zen 2, the Ryzen 3000 CPUs. We do have a bit more information about them, and we do have prices. Ryzen 2, at the lowest end, will be a 6-core part at the highest end will be a 16 core part it's going to start with the Ryzen 5 3600 that clocks in at a 3.6 gig- gigahertz and that will start at $200 where at the highest end the Ryzen 9 3950x will be a 16 core part 3.5 gigahertz per core At $749. Now I'm not going to lie. I've all. uh, An entire decade. Of AMD CPUs. Playing the. Cheap market. Because they literally couldn't even compete with Intel. Had my eyes kind of bulge out. At the sight of a $750 processor from AMD. That was just mainstream Ryzen. But if you compare that to. Intel's offering. For a 16 core processor. This is actually insanely good. The Intel one if I remember right was like $1500 for a 16 core part. Which is also. Absurd. In addition, all of these CPUs from AMD, as we said before, will support PCI Express 4.0, which means they are going to be more future proof than previous CPUs. They are also boasting. That performance per core is now high enough that it not only matches Intel's performance per core, but beats it. So before with, 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 uh, with Zen 1, that architecture did pretty good performance per core, but Intel did better, which then began this sort of thought That um, Ryzen was better for workstation-type applications, and Intel was better for gaming. Which was true, but not by enough for it to matter. If anything, it meant that um, Ryzen was an amazing platform for, say, streamers. You had the multiple cores to keep OBS happy and do high-quality streaming... But still have enough leftover cores that were good enough at gaming that you could get your game looking pretty good. Unjust Man in the chat asks How much for the motherboards with PCI Express 4? As far as I understood, it's not supposed to be all that bad. PCIe 4. Motherboard cost. We'll, we'll look it up live. And all I get is right off the bat, prices for some of the crazy high-end uh, boards. Yeah, I'm not getting anything yet. Wah, wah. Yeah, we're not getting any any good hits yet. The motherboards, though, shouldn't be too much more expensive, though. I mean, they're going to be expensive just because the chipset's going to be a bit more, bit more expensive. But otherwise, I mean... It's, it'll be fine for a motherboard. It's not only that, but you can, in fact, use... These same processors in the previous gen motherboard. You just won't have PCI Express 4. You also won't be able to overclock it nearly as well as you would on a newer motherboard. So you do have options. But yeah, much like with the Navi GPUs, I cannot wait to see the benchmarks for the Ryzen 3000 series CPUs. Because if AMD is right, and they manage to crack the code for being able to outperform Intel in performance per core. They got something big going on there. Now, I do want to talk one last thing about the, the Navi GPUs. The look of these cards or the reference cards, I am not a fan of. Like right now in video when they make a reference card, it tries to have this like modern car part almost look to it with like these slick shrouds and 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 metal look to it, a see-through glass to the um to the vapor chamber cooler and whatnot. And AMD still just keeps going with this design of just making it look like a box. This time around for the RX 5700, it is a box with like an artsy dent in it. And I'll admit, it looks better than the previous reference cards, but it still looks bad. Bad. but that's really minor especially since in in my case I don't have any cases with a see-through window so if I try to look over at my computer all I see is a brushed aluminum side with a lot of scratches on it alright so last thing from AMD before I move on One thing you'll kind of notice about this Ryzen 2 launch, there was not a word about their highest-end CPUs. This was just the quote-unquote mainstream CPUs. This is just Ryzen. This isn't Threadripper. AMD is still rumored... To be working on on Threadripper. This from WCCF Tech. They are potentially working on a 64 core Threadripper CPU. 64 cores on one chip. 128 threads. This also means... When this core is launched as Threadripper, there is most likely going to be one made for the servers as well. A 64-core CPU for servers. This will put... The highest-end workstations. These are the most powerful single computers that are used for professional workloads at 128 cores with 256 threads in one tower. In the workstation market, it's been kind of almost a meme to call your workstation a supercomputer in a box. 128 cores on one board might actually be a supercomputer in a box. That is literally absurd. And then you top that off with four freaking Teslas or other workstation server grade cards. That's That's absurd. And with that thought, I'd also like to remind you that the new Mac Pro only supports up to 28. Hmm. Yeah, 28 cores sounded crazy high in that press conference, didn't it? In that keynote. Yeah, it turns out that's not even close to what workstations can get. Not that it matters. It is still obscene overkill. Unjust man, the chat says sixty-four cores and si- had sixty-four gigabytes of RAM, and then you can run OBS at the same time as Chrome. Oof. Yeah, sixty-four cores should keep OBS happy. Sixty-four gigabytes of RAM, though, I don't know if that's enough to state OBS or I'm, I mean Chrome. You might need more RAM than that. I think you might need half a terabyte at least for Chrome. Also exclusive from WCCF. One of the reasons why uh, NVIDIA might not be too worried about the Navi GPUs. According to WCCF Tech... NVIDIA is planning on revealing some quote-unquote super GPUs that is going to make the absolute market a mess. Because right now, we have, on uh, on the NVIDIA side, the RTX 2080 Ti, the RTX 2080, the RTX 2070, the RTX 2060... The GTX 1660 Ti, the GTX 1660, and the GTX 1650. That is the current market on NVIDIA's side. Want to know how it could get worse? We might see, as new cards, the RTX 2080 Ti Super... The RTX 2080 Super. The RTX 2070 Ti Super. The RTX 2070 Super. The RTX 2060 Super. And according to all of this, there is a good chance... The non-super versions of all these cards will still be sold at the same time. Oh. We are not sure on the specs of these. The 2080 Ti and the 2070 Ti Super Editions are supposed to be brand new chips, whereas the others are just supposed to be revamped versions of the existing ones. Look, I like more options. Don't get me wrong. But this is stupid. This is really, really, really stupid. You thought the the NVIDIA side of things was confusing before with RX 2000 series and um, GTX 1600 series? Now you're going to throw supers in them? NVIDIA. Stop it. Get some help. You've lost the way on how numbers work. I mean, granted, the whole TI thing already bothered me. I never understood why you add TI at the end instead of just increasing the number by five. Like, why not just call it the, the RTX 2085? But no. We're going to add the word SUPER! I'm just man, the chat's just starting to list off like various different uh, Super Saiyan modes. That's almost how absurd this is becoming. Look, when Dragon Ball Z's or Dragon Ball GT's way of naming Super Saiyans makes more sense than how you're naming your graphic cards, just. Go back to numbers. Numbers are easy. We understand numbers. (sighs) Hexus is also reporting in on this. Almost all of these are supposed to be 8 gig variants, except for the original RTX 2060. They have no new information about the 2080 Ti Super, but they are saying that this should launch in mid July. Oh boy! All right, I, I I need to I need to collect my thoughts. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we need to talk about Huawei. Maybe sneak in a little bit more E three talk and about how Keanu Reeves quickly turned himself into a meme and also gaming in your car. We will be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, all right, all right. I was going to let this just be during our break, but um, the chat quickly started talking about AT&T's ability to number things, about how AT&T's 5G is totally better than their 4G. If you don't get that, um, AT&T's 5G is exactly the same as their 4G because it is 4G. And in fact, their 4G was worse, their 5G was actually worse than Verizon and Sprint's 4G. It was smooth. AT&T in general actually really annoys me. I mean, between their inability for them to fix our business's phone line. How did they F that up? AT&T messed that up because they're just like, we want to have the first 5G network. We're going to call it 5G Evolution. And it was just their LTE network. They tried to play this gotcha game and (laughs) they failed at it so hard. They couldn't even fix our business's phone line they require they they wanted us even though we were customers with them for several decades. apparently our company was like we're, we're, did business with them for like 30 years. They're just like, "Oh, you don't have a support account with us so we can't fix your phone line And then they have the gall. After all that to have probably the worst fiber network I've ever seen in my life. We have that fi- we have that fiber network in our in our workplace now. And no joke, our speeds are 35 down and 5 up with a direct fiber line. Oh, and it drops constantly. Oh, my Lord. I just don't understand. I really don't. And, of course, that's just our experience. Maybe AT&T out in in wherever you you live is fantastic, is great, but... God, are you sure it's... Yes, I am 100% certain it's not DSL. Because they had to tear out the DSL line and bring in the fiber line yes it is the fiber line they promised us a hundred down ten up it gets nowhere close and it's not just my boss told me the wrong thing i actually worked with the guy i actually saw the work being done and it just got nowhere close. But anyway. What's almost as bad No, actually no. Th- this is definitely worse. Uh let's let's go back to the wonderful saga of Huawei. Which I'm apparently still supposed to pronounce Huawei. That's not happening, by the way. So Huawei is kind of in this weird limbo world. Because in an attempt to both, A, get them to stop spying on their user base and on the American people, and also, as far as trade negotiations between the U.S. and China, there is currently a ban on Huawei products. To which Huawei has responded oddly, I think is the best way to put it. Huawei recently tried to put ads on all of its phone's lock screens. Just out of nowhere. Just so that, you know, just just to provide a little bit of evidence to those that think that, um, to those who thought that Huawei phones were really super sketch and totally could spy on you. Yeah, just just one day, all of a sudden, ads on all of the phones. And then, of course, as soon as people started questioning that, going, wait, wait, what? I didn't set my lock screen to an ad. I want to be a picture of my waifu or my my little girl or or my coworkers or whatever the heck. As soon as people started taking those, they're like, "Oh, oh, no, that's that's not happening." And then they just quickly stopped. You know, in case Huawei didn't look sketch before, this definitely didn't help their case. Like, at all. In addition, Huawei has delayed the launch of its foldable phone to the surprise of literally no one. Because, more than likely, Huawei realized something that Samsung realized the hard way. Foldable phones are super fragile. Now, while as this is not Huawei like being sketch and suspicious and whatnot, this is clearly an act of, you know, we're going to play it safe. Because people are starting to realize that these screens are not scratch resistant at all. Like to put this in perspective, and I and I have to uh, credit um, the YouTube channel Jerry Rig Everything for this. This guy goes and tortures pretty much every phone out there. One of the things he does is what's called a scratch test. He uses picks from Moe's of, scale of hardness. One being about... One being like a fine powder as far as hardness. And a 10 being diamonds. And then tests the screen of most phones. And pretty much every phone in existence, because they all use tempered glass, lands in at about a level 6. These foldable screens, according to Jerry Riggs' test, rank in at about a level 2. This is most likely why Samsung opted to have the foldable screen on the inside rather than on the outside. Huawei's is on the outside, actually mirroring Oppo's design, which, by the way, for the people in the chat who are going like, oh, they stole foldable screen tech from Samsung. No, we're pretty sure they stole it from Oppo, if they stole it from anyone. Raiko in the chat also says, to give a perspective, a penny has a Mohs hardness rating of three. This is also true. Copper is about a level three. So if you actually had this this screen in your pocket with a couple of pennies, there's a good chance those pennies can do some serious damage to the screen. Or if, even if you had, like, pocket sand in your pocket, that can get a whole lot worse. Sand's about a level 7. yikes so it would not surprise me at all if oppo very soon also delays the launch of its foldable phone a lot of research going in to protect the various mechanisms find a better material to protect the screen we were hoping this year would be the the year of the folding phones and uh Yeah, that's not being the case. And uh, in addition to that, Huawei is also canceling its new laptop that it planned to release. More than likely because, um, you know, Microsoft stopped doing business with them. They're just like, you know, I don't... You know, with the whole ban and everything and you guys acting sketches all heck... Maybe we won't sell you any more Microsoft uh, licenses. You can just go buy them retail. Yeah, that'd be great. And so that's actually a direct impact of the ban. You're not going to see these Huawei laptops. Honestly, although in my opinion, for the greater laptop marketplace this doesn't have much of an impact i mean let's be honest those of you in the chat right now do any of you care about the huawei laptop anyone nope no one not, not a one? No? No? They have a laptop. <laughs> See, that's about it! Most people only know... about Huawei's smartphones, which admittedly have gotten a lot better. But they still have some lemons out there, like the Google Nexus 6P. But when you think light laptops, you're probably going to go with Asus or Samsung or Dell or HP or Microsoft or someone like that. Someone who's been in the laptop game for a a long time. I can't believe when I rattled off all those names, I didn't include Lenovo in there. But Huawei? Come on. It's not going to have an impact, like, at all. Now, one thing we reported on before was that in order for uh, for Huawei to... Well, when Huawei first got hit with the ban, rather than wanting to come back and negotiate having the ban removed they were just like fine we're going to go make our own operating system <laughs> and reports are coming out that Huawei's operating system is 60% faster than Android according to their reports but but why though Let, let me who who would want to go and say yes i want to use a, after after all the suspicious behavior that Huawei has been putting forth i want to use a phone that has Huawei's own operating system on it it's not a smart decision for anyone who's informed of what's going on I just can't see a good reason to do this. I just can't. But here we are. We're doing it. All right. And then in other news, speaking of the Galaxy Fold, AT&T has decided to cancel all pre-orders for the Galaxy Fold. I'd say there's a decent chance that uh, the other carriers are going to follow suit. We have not heard anything from Samsung about an expected release date for the actual fold. I don't think this phone is coming this year. Yeah... It's it's just not happening. I'm sorry. Which is kind of a shame, because the actual Galaxy Fold, if it weren't for the fact that it was a $2,000 phone, on paper it actually looks great. While it's closed, you have a normal phone, you open it up, and you have like a small tablet. But unfortunately, the durability of this thing was just not there. And, of course, the price was so high up that I'd rather, you know, spend that two grand on name a thing. Would probably rather spend it on that. Two grand for a phone is way high. One grand for a phone is way high. But that's the world we live in right now. All right, probably before moving... Further on with my actual plans. We should actually talk at least a little bit about some of the highlights from from E3, about the various games. I'm just gonna go through, do a quick quick uh brief summary of each of the major press conferences. I'm gonna be doing this off the cuff. I completely forgot to actually get notes. But I covered almost every single one of them, with the exception of the Ubisoft one on my own channel. I'll admit. Can, can anyone name anything that actually happened at the Ubisoft one that was worth mentioning? Better, yeah. Can you name anything that happened at the EA announcement that technically wasn't part of that? <laughs> that technically wasn't part of E3, but. Everyone still lumps in with E3 because that's the only brilliant thing that EA actually did. Here's the EA press conference in a nutshell there's a new Star Wars game. Also, Anthem is in denial. The end. Microsoft Cyberpunk cyber Cyberpunk 2077 has a release date. It is mid-April. I want to say April seventeenth question mark, but I'm probably wrong on that. I'm pretty sure it's April 2020 at the very least. And also has Keanu Reeves who went and stole the stole the show by completely flipping by by saying that you're breathtaking. Just right there, bam. show stolen. And then, of course, with the Microsoft press conference, we had a look at Project Scarlet. That's the Xbox I talked about earlier. As well as also a new Halo game. A couple other little games here and there that people have interest in, but, you know, nothing really like earth shattering. Bethesda actually did bring out Todd Howard to acknowledge that Fallout 76 had a very rocky launch. I will give them credit for that. I was 90% positive we A, wouldn't have seen Todd Howard, and B, they would not have acknowledged any of Fallout 76's problems. They all said Fallout 76 will be <laughs> introduced with <laughs> battle royale mode and NPCs with dialogue trees. Because if your game is a meme for how bad it is, it might as well just become full meme. Also, Doom Eternal. They had Doom Eternal. That's the other big thing. Ubisoft, the only thing people could tell me that, that, uh, that was a pro about the Ubisoft conference was that it ended. Square Enix actually did give a good look at the Final Fantasy VII Remake. It is mostly going to be an action RPG with the ability that you can pause time and actually input commands for bigger actions in kind of a strange hybrid turn-based ATB sort of combat and real-time action. Which I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I would need to see it more on paper to see how well it plays, but it looks interesting. Uh, The downside is that it is going to be episodic. This first episode is going to be the price of a full-priced game, and it is going to be only Midgar. And Square was too cowardly to say anything like that. On the actual show floor. They only admitted this in an interview after E3. And I am extremely disappointed in in them for doing that. Extremely. The whole episodic thing also kind of rubs me the wrong way too. I, I it's, it's just a platform I hate. Hate it. But we'll see. Maybe it's better than it is on paper. In addition, there's going to be a Final Fantasy VIII remastering. And also an Avengers game is going to be published by Squaresoft. And then Nintendo, who I would say almost everyone says stole the show. They revealed we would have the Dragon Quest hero in Smash Brothers. We would have Banjo-Kazooie in Smash Brothers. People are already arguing about that. Those people are children. (laughs) Oh, and the Final Fantasy OST is on Spotify. That was also at the Square Enix conference, but that's just kind of a... Wait, it wasn't? Huh. Huh. Nintendo also announced that Trials of Mana, one of the Mana games that never came over to the Western countries, is getting a remake in the same sort of style as Secret of Mana, and Adventures of Mana, a.k.a. Final Fantasy Adventures, Secret of Mana, and Trials of Mana all got released uh, in one collection on the Switch as their original, officially translated ROMs. Dance of the Necrodancer is also working with The Legend of Zelda to create... Was it The Legend of Zelda... Cadence oh, I forgot the name of it but it's basically a rhythm Zelda game. Ninokuni is also coming to the Switch, Neokuni no 1 that is. So there's Cadence of Hyrule, thank you. And yeah, Nintendo, by far, I would say, stole the show. Microsoft came a close second. Square did put on a much better show this year than they did last year. But I am still baffled. As to exactly what Reiko in the chat said, why didn't Square talk about their own mana games? Nintendo doesn't steal the show every year. They don't. I'm sorry, Miss Switch in the chat. They they just don't. Not every year. This year they definitely, by far did. Well there are times it's just like, oh okay, we're going through the motions. Nintendo, Nintendo Nintendo's gonna be Nintendo. And yeah, some good stuff came out, but it's just like eh. But to say they steal the show every year is, no, they don't. But yeah, I I would say that's E3 in a nutshell right there. No, I'm not going to be a true believer in anything. I'm going to call it as I see it. That's why I'm here in front of the mic. I'm going to call out in the BS, like an Xbox that's going to have real-time ray tracing, 120 frames per second, and 8K resolution, there is no way on earth that Xbox is going to be able to do that. There's no way it's going to do that, even though it's going to be coming out next year. It's just literally not possible. Period. <laughs> it's it's that's why I do this. In any case, let's switch back over to non-E3 news. Like, this stuff about the Google Pixel 4 phone. This is a story that just kind of went... Weirdly. So the next Pixel phone, a.k.a. the Pixel 4, it leaked out, and people actually got a hold of these. These steel mock-ups that are used by case designers for what the Pixel 4 and the Pixel 4 4 XL will look like. And it showed, like, a small notch on the smaller version, no notch on on the bigger version, a square section on the rear where the cameras would be. It showed a lot of detail, and the fact this got out was a little surprising. You know what Google's response to this was? Google decided, you know what, fine, here it is. They just straight up revealed pictures. Oh, this stuff leaked out? Oh. Okay, you got us, here you go. And sure enough, it confirms all of that. We've got a square <laughs> a square glass on the rear... Where, in fact, we have three cameras and the flash all protected under there. It's in kind of this diamond pattern underneath that glass. Unfortunately, the pictures they revealed do not show the the front of it at all. Just the rear. So we don't know if the... If the mock-up's showing the notch on the smaller one and no notch on the bigger one. Now, when I say no notch, I want to be clear. The bigger one is not going to be an edge-to-edge screen. The bottom and the sides will have the screen going all the way to the edge. But the very top of it, there is going to be a blank space like you would on an old-style smartphone... Where the sensors, earpiece, and whatnot are stored. So there will be a section of no screen. It's just going to be you know, what they call a forehead. In the, in, in the smartphone lingo, which by the way, a forehead really. You couldn't think of anything better to call it a forehead. I'm disappointed. The actual design on it, though, I'm not. I, for one, prefer, prefer this not-lying-to-us sort of mentality. I prefer they just come out and say, Hey, look, this dead spot here, that's where your earpiece is going to be. That's where your front-facing camera is. That's where your depth sensor is going to be for your facial recognition. That's where your proximity sensor is. That's where all that sort of jazz is. There's no need to just take, up, take out... A big old chunk of the screen making a hole punch or a notch to store all that stuff. Just just give me a viewable area, please. Pretty please. Switching back over to kind of sort of the Huawei talks about the whole trade war. There are more reports about various products being manufactured outside of China. The switch will soon be manufactured outside of China. This including the iPhone, the Nest, various other products. So yeah, there's now new news that China might not actually be manufacturing everything. You never thought this would ha- happen at all. There's actually even reports that the iPhone might actually be manufactured in the Foxconn plant going in in southeastern Wisconsin. That in itself is a little nuts. Just 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 a wee bit. But more information on that will be coming out in due time. Now, speaking of various Google news, Gmail will be introducing dynamic emails to all users next month. Dynamic use... I'm sorry. Dynamic emails is the ability for Gmail to automatically send an email reply with the user's permission to things like can you make the meeting giving you the option of saying yes i can no i can't or i'll I'll respond or i'll talk to you later those sort of things we'll be seeing that coming out next month well oh, that only took forever we've been hearing about this feature coming out for Since last October. A little less than a year later, finally comes out. Didn't seem like it would take all that long. But regardless, Uber is testing out the potential of delivering food via drones. Right now, Uber Eats, which is its kind of carry out service where they have an uber driver go to a restaurant pick up your order and then deliver it to you which of course comes with you know a pretty hefty fee because of course you have to pay for someone's time and gas and everything else to go actually pick up the order well you do it by drone all of a sudden this can become a lot cheaper and hopefully your drone doesn't get shot out of the sky. You know, the more and more various <laughs> various services like Amazon, Uber, and whatnot start introducing drone delivery, the more and more I'm not looking forward to the sounds of... Nyow, nyow. And all the various buzzing of the drones flying overhead... As they go deliver medicine and whatnot. It's going to get a little annoying. Adobe is introducing an AI tool that can tell if a picture has been photoshopped. You know, we're just going to call this segment the I can't believe it's not an April Fool's joke. so here's my question, though. What happens when someone uses that AI tool to make Photoshop faces look even more real? Do we then need a stronger AI to figure out if that other AI tool did it? Is this just going to be the war of AI tools? It just seems kind of bizarre. It's almost as bizarre as Opera making a web browser for gamers. What? Like, wh- 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 why? Let me ask you. I know I have gamers in the Twitch chat now. What do you look for in a web browser? The first answer we got was porn. Well played. Porn, porn, incognito mode. Okay, so, in all seriousness, there actually is some logic to the quote-unquote gaming web browser. Because, and this actually is a feature I wish Chrome had. It has a built-in RAM and CPU limiter. So it limits the amount of resources that the browser can consume. And, you know, kind of how we were joking earlier about the 128-core supercomputer in a box. And how that would be just enough performance in order to run Chrome properly. I mean, here, let me actually bring up my system resource monitor right now. How much is Chrome consuming right now? Chrome is currently using 4% of my CPU... Keep in mind, the system I'm using is a dual 6-core Xeon system, and it's using 7 gigabytes of RAM. Like the 4%, that's a little high, but it's negligible. That 7 gigs of RAM out of my 24 gigs of RAM is a big deal. Now, admittedly, I'm using Chrome right now with a kajillion tabs open because I'm recording the podcast and I have one tab open for every single story we're covering today. But still, if you could limit that down, hey, that's more RAM that OBS can use, that Spreaker can use to record this podcast, that my various alert systems could use, that's more CPU that the webcam could use. It does make an impact and actually as meme as like joke as opera for gamers sounds, that's actually kind of appealing to be able to limit the amount of resources it takes. in fact actually, all right i was about to actually talk about the um, the NOAA the north the national oceanic atmosphere administration talk about how 5g spectrum can inter- interfere with weather forecasts but um that's kind of the whole story and we kind of already talked about that a couple of days ago now that, th- or not a couple a couple of weeks ago now that i think about it but now it's an official declaration from the NOAA Actually, yeah, that's the entire story. Still a big deal. And also why the whole holding back on Huawei pushing out 5G everywhere might not be the worst case in the world. People in chat are telling me that I need to just start, start pronouncing it Noah. And I'm going to say no, because there's no H in this, and therefore it should not be pronounced Noah. It's the No-A-A. And yes, I am pronouncing it that way just to tweak people a little bit. Because that's what I do best. Kind of like hackers, hacking in and hijacking and infecting the oddest piece of equipment is also what they do best. Like now, uh, hacking in and infecting infusion pumps. Yes, for hospitals, malware has successfully been injected into medical infusion pumps. Because just in the off chance you weren't scared enough at hospitals, now you have the thought in the back of your head wondering, is that machine that's keeping me alive infected with a virus Oh, boy. There's some additional fuel for the tinfoil hat we're wearing of you. Uh, all right. So before we get to the last burb, I do have the runner-up story for weirdest story of the day. Remember how a couple weeks ago we talked about how Razor is officially making the Razor toaster real? The Razor toaster was an April Fool's joke. Razor never intended on making a toaster. Just like Razor never expected to make an energy drink. Back in 2010, Razor made an April Fool's joke saying they made the Razor Respawn performance drink mix. They're making it real. You you just can't... You can't make this up. So there you go. Now you too can... Make an energy drink. Just add razor powder and... Uh, and water wonderful people in the chat are wondering when Razor will actually make a Razor I don't think or when I say a Razor I mean like a Razor you use to shave I don't think even as an April Fool's joke Razor ever said they were going to make shaving equipment maybe that'll be their 2020 April Fool's joke And they'll shock the world and they actually like partner with Gillette and make razors. All right. Now for the last burb. The last story of the day. The weirdest story of the day. Did you know Tesla was at E3? I didn't. Yes. Tesla was at E3 showcasing. That they plan on releasing games for the touchscreen inside of Tesla's. I think Elon Musk has gone full crazy. I mean, I've thought that for a while, but no joke, games like Angry Birds, Cuphead, and Beach Buggy Racing 2 will be coming to the Tesla. And particularly Beach Buggy Racing 2 will use your car's steering wheel, gas pedal, and brake to control the game. But only while the car is parked, for obvious reasons. And no, you can't play any of these games while the car is in motion. So no, and suddenly Ducks in the chat is, is asking, when can you do this when the car drives for you? You can't. You are not allowed to play any of these games while the car drives for you. You still have to pay attention to the road. But yeah, there you go. It's just for when you're waiting to pick someone up, you can go play a racing game. Could you imagine if your Uber driver was going to pick you up and they were just playing this racing game while they were waiting for you outside? It was like, all right, take me to the arena. No, no, hold on. Uh, 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 just Oh, no, I lost the race. All right, come on, let's go. This still isn't as crazy as the not-a-flamethrower, but this gets really close. But in any case, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Be sure to also check out our weekly early morning podcast, the Early Burb Briefing, which can also be found wherever you found this podcast, on iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio. And also make sure to check out my Twitch panel where we record Eagle Eyes on Tech, every Saturday at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care and have a great day. I got to wonder, though, if you're a Tesla truck driver, does that mean you could play truck driving simulator after you're done driving your truck? Because as funny as that would be on paper, I am 90% certain that 100% of all truck drivers would actually revolt against Tesla for even allowing that to be a feature. It's like, hey, when you're done working, you can just stay in your seat and keep not working while actually – making you feel like you're continuing to work yeah that's that's a that's an idea right there but it'll also kill your battery faster and then how are you gonna move your truck in the morning yeah no no matter how I think about this this is still dumb.